welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. Yeah, SwiftUI is, um, <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like back in June, it came out and obviously I was in the position of planning out starting an app. And it's like, well, obviously this is what you're going to do if you're going to start a new app. Why why wouldn't you? If, it, if it's a totally greenfield development, start with SwiftUI. And I think we said before, haven't we, that with Marzipan, or not Marzipan, Catalyst, um, yeah. that when you sort of put it into context with SwiftUI, that almost felt like some sort of bridging technology just to tide you over. Yeah. So, yeah, to me it was like, yeah, SwiftUI is clearly the way to go. And I've been sort of sort of digging into it quite a lot this last week. And just, uh, it amazes me how much I can do and how much I get sort of for free in terms of like animation and things just looking nice almost immediately. But then some things that you just think would be an obvious thing that you would need as a developer, it just doesn't do. Yeah. Um, a good example of that is um, focusing on a text field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Just can't do it. So like I'm doing like a little screen for when you want to add a new list to to Synapse. Um you kind of get like a uh like a sheet view, is it it's called? Is it sheet that's the right word? Um Yes, yeah, so I've got one of those that comes up with a field to type in the name of what you're gonna call your list, like groceries or to do's, whatever you're gonna call it. It doesn't it isn't focused by default, so it's another action, another tap on the text field to then bring up the keyboard. Right. Uh just stuff like that is kind of uh, getting in my way. So I think in this in this instance, I'm going to have to sort of drop down to UI kit and do it that way through, a, is it UI view representable or representative? I forget the exact wording. Basically yeah. how you expose UI kit in a Swift UI app. So I'm going to have to do that. Just to get the behavior. Just to get the behavior, yeah. And there was, there's one other place I'm going to have to do it with as well. I forget what it is now off the top of my head, but there was... Uh, another little thing I was like right that's gonna have to be a UI kit job in a little while so I need to figure out how to do that so I haven't actually got that far into Swift UI yet where I've had to drop down to UI kit so I want to make sure I sort of learn that and uh, keep keep hold of that skill because I think I'm going to need it quite a lot Um, (laughs) (laughs) so just little things like that and you just kind of think well how did they let it go out the door like that but then it's version one and I guess their giant get out clause is well you can use UI kit if you need yeah. to. So yeah, in, in some ways I'm like, yeah, Swift UI is the best. And in other ways I'm like, God oh, damn it, Swift UI is really annoying. Yeah, I've got some similar feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with GoVJ, I've got currently got two um distinct repos. Actually, one is the the original source code, and that's a blend of Objective C and um and a bit of Swift. And then I've got a separate brand new repo that is Swift UI. And I've, I've used my um, MVVM and coordinators template to sort of kick that off. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the underlying architecture. The architecture's proving to be a, a decent decision, I think, in terms of it sort of helping me keep things sort of fairly boxed off and concise. Um, and, and the way that I sort of communicate like things like um, state changes and data and that sort of stuff between areas of the app, that's working quite well. Ah, but every so often, 
every so often I hit something and then that something is this sort of gap um, where the solution is kind of probably to drop down to, to UIKit um, or to wrap something up or to, to do something in that sort of manner. Um, and my latest one f- uh, for this is that I, I wanted to have a um, just a simple alert but with um, a text entry inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a place in the app where um, I wanted people to be able to create a, a folder to store some of their um, to store some of their videos inside of. And I'm giving the user the control to be able to sort of go, okay, I want to add a new folder here. Um, and rather than doing anything too fancy, I just sort of thought, okay, I'll throw up an alert. They can give the folder name inside of that alert. You know, we create the folder. Um, the view can update with that info. Uh, off we go. Mm-hmm. Then I discover that I've got an alert, or I can use an action sheet, neither one of which currently has the option for me to insert a, um, a text entry field inside of it. So you can <laughs> you can tell the user something, and they can say okay or, or cancel. Um, or you can give the user a set of, of options, and they can press one of them but they mm. can't give you input through the alert. So I go looking around, and the next option is like, well, yeah, you can always throw up a... Um, you can always throw up a Swift UI view and have a, a text field inside of that and just essentially you know, make your own alert, as it were. Okay, that's that's fine, but that's really not what I was after, and that's not you know, not as quick as what I wanted. I just wanted something to very simply grab that input um, okay, fine, okay, I'll go and do that. And then I thought, well, this actually feels more like it's a, a popover rather than anything else. Maybe. Maybe not. doesn't really matter. Um, I can switch between presenting a sheet or a popover with, like, you know, one very simple edit in SwiftUI. That's awesome. Great. So I'm giving this a try, and the popover is buggy. And it displays my view um, with with full width and full height, and gives it gives it this um, white wrapper all the way around it. And so then I've hit this other kind of weird edge case. It's probably to do with me not configuring it properly or something like that. But at this point, all I wanted was to throw up an alert and get that input and move on in life. Yeah. Um, and now I'm kind of thinking, well, I can't really be bothered kind of trying to sort of get this working in this way. Um, so my, my next option is that my coordinator stack that is behind all of the views um, at the very at the very top, um, if you sort of think of this as like a tree, um, and I've got a, an initial coordinator and then I have children hanging down from it. Uh, my coordinator stack has the ability to um, talk to the UI window and talk to the the top UI hosting uh, view controller that everything is inside of. So if I wanted to, I can sort of send a, a, a message all the way back up to the top and I could just present an alert from there and then use delegation or combine or something like that to chop the data back. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately... 
right now my instinct for just getting this done and being able to see the alerts you know as normal without any real sort of we're having to worry about um anything else with it that might actually be my simplest option is to to sort of do something that just presents that alert from the top <laughs> what should have been a, a really simple job turned out not to be i guess is the uh yeah. high level abstraction <laughs> and yeah. you know similarly in in my case i just thought well obviously there'll be like a dot is focused true or something i can add to this text field but mm, no nope. yeah. uh, <laughs> the thing it's just lots of little things i find with swift ui there's one um and i think this might be a simulator only bug but if you've got a list so i've got a list that goes to another list that then goes to the detail view so if you go yep. from top level list to sublist then go back and then tap the same item in the list again to go back into the child list just doesn't work you have to choose another list item that you haven't already clicked on okay and then that'll work but then once you've clicked the second one that second one is now off limits Uh, Hmm. so just look weird things like that and i haven't actually tried it on a device yet because i still actually haven't got a paid apple developer account i really should address that in fact i'm going to need to address it this week because i want to start um interfacing with CloudKit because all i've done so far is yes i've got a developer account but it's not a paid one but i just download xcode and i've just been hacking away in the simulator and that's been fine for just like you know bringing up uis um, but now i need to start connecting data through it so i will have to pay for one so yeah i'll be interested to see what happens on device because again if if that doesn't work on device then what do i do then Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's fairly limiting <laughs> i would say i'm hoping it's just a simulator bug because i don't think i've done anything wrong it's just like i've used a list and there's yeah. a navigation um what's it called navigation link to yep. the next list and then you just press the back button and yeah the, suddenly the button doesn't work anymore that you pressed uh, it's most weird hmm. so yeah i'll um definitely report back on that one but i think for me, there's like a, an, another layer to this because saying, oh, we'll just drop down to UIKit, that's fine. But I'm also wanting to make a Mac app. Yes. So every time I drop down to UIKit, I'm then almost creating this AppKit liability as well. Because whatever I do in UIKit, I'm going to have to figure out how to do an AppKit that I've never used. Unless you're happy using UIKit on the Mac side of things that's yeah that's the other thing so this is the dilemma do i do a, a proper mac target in xcode or do i just tick the uh the mac box which then gives me a, a ui kit version of it and i don't yeah. know what the answer is sitting here today well in my case i've done the latter right okay yeah hmm. <laughs> yeah i i guess i I could use it as a bridging technology, you know, use Catalyst as the bridging technology as I just described it at the start. Yep. Until Swift UI has sort of developed sufficiently that I can then at some point do a proper Mac target and then just use Swift UI and not need to do so much in AppKit. Yep. Um, I mean, I haven't even gotten to the whole... Um, sort of notes element of the app all i'm sort of focusing on tasks and you know to do's and all that sort of stuff but the the idea is is that this app is like a merging of tasks notes and time tracking and yeah you know 
to do's and time tracking not to sort of oversimplify but that's like doable in in swift ui i think for the most part it's when i get to actually notes and sort of making a, a rich text editor um swift ui is no good for that at all yeah I, I suppose i could say well i'll just hold on till june and maybe apple will solve this problem for me and then give me a swift ui set of tools i can use to make a, a rich text editor yeah um, that seems kind of risky just to keep hoping that apple will solve my problem for me um, yeah, especially when you can solve your problem, you know, by dropping down to one of the the lower level yeah I'm, technologies. Yeah, I mean, I've mostly solved the problem in UIKit as it is using uh, attributed strings. Yep, I mean, it's, it's a horrible, messy, yucky looking prototype, but it works. I can insert images, I can insert canvases for like pencil drawings and all that kind of stuff. But if I were to do, I could drop down to UIKit for the iOS versions, but then if I want a Mac target, I'm going to have to recreate all of that in AppKit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be as, as bad as it I'm making it out to be, but sitting here today, having never touched AppKit, and the general narrative around it until now that I've heard from the community has been like, ooh, AppKit. Mm. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> AppKit's hard in my head. That's kind of how I see it. It, it may not be. I may be wrong, but from what I've heard and what I've listened, you know, I've heard like other people say, um, you know, you Google for something for like iOS and you get a million examples in the Google results. You Google for one thing on AppKit and you're left with like one result mm-hmm. that's useful. Um, don't know how much truth there is to that, but that's kind of just, that's the general theme of what I've heard. I'm not sure I want to entirely recreate a rich text editor in AppKit if I can avoid it, which again is another reason just to tick the box and use the Catalyst version. So I would be going that route first, I think. You reckon? If, if I were you. But yeah, like just tick the box and see what it looks like on the basis that if it is essentially, you know, it works and it's it's good enough, then that means you can just move on and keep sort of bringing the rest of the app together. And, you know, I, I guess my, my query would be how much time do you want to devote to learning AppKit? versus just kind of getting your your version one together of the app yeah that's because yeah the, the the potential with this is to sort of derail yourself for another month or however long you know <laughs> <At least. laughs> while, yeah and, and that's not to say that app kit is out of reach of, of you or any other um ui kit ios orientated developer because it's not, and I know, I know people who have gone that route and you know this say oh there's a learning curve but then once you're over that it's fine, you know, and obviously there's plenty of iOS devs who had the background in AppKit before. Um, but it's more just as an indie, this is a potential time suck, and do you want to give it that time? It, yeah, so. probably not, <laughs> or definitely not, is, is the answer. So, um, yeah, I mean, even if it's version one is Catalyst, and then version three or four down the road turns into a more of a uh, like a classic Mac app, I suppose. But then I think about what do I want this app to be on the Mac, and when I think about that, I think well, basically just the iPad version with a with the traffic lights at the top left corner of the app. Um, <laughs> but then I feel bad about that, and we've spoken about it before. Like, is 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 it Mac like enough? And then I think, well, what what is a Mac app to me? What what does that mean? Um, yeah, I don't know if you've heard the latest ATP, but they were talking about that this week, and the whole time I was listening to it, I was thinking. Well, what is it? What what is it that's a Mac app? What 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 makes a Mac app? And I, 
I can't fathom it. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes me feel somewhat guilty because I think probably I should have fathomed it by now, especially if I'm intending to release an app on it. But I, um, I don't know whether it's like a sort of people that have sort of been around for a long time in in the community that can sort of go way back into Mac OS, maybe are more sensitive to it than perhaps I am as like a relative newcomer. Because I remember when I first got a Mac in 2007, I think it was, it was like the white plastic MacBook. Yeah. Um, there were a few things that you could call Mac-like that I was like, ugh, I don't like that. Almost put <laughs> me off the platform in a few ways. Um, like the way that I think it was Adobe Illustrator at the time, all the windows were like scattered. So you'd have a window for the document you were working on. You'd have a window for like your, your palette of tools and color palettes and all this kind of stuff. And you'd end up with like four or five floating windows. Is that Mac-like? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't like it though. It was one expression of being Mac-like at the time. I remember um, there's a couple of pieces of, of video mixing software I was using back then that were modular um, and they were like that as well. I always didn't. I just wanted like a wrapper around all of it. I was just so desperate yeah. for that. And then there's like the whole um, some of the iWork apps. They used to have like the little drawer that would come out the side. Do you remember that? Ah, uh, not quite. No, I forget. How did that? It was like the right hand side. You would press a button, and like this little slidey out bit would come out of the window to reveal some kind of extra UI. Um, <laughs> and again, I remember thinking, well, that's like a. I mean, it looks kind of cool, but don't really like it Um, yeah so i don't know i just feel like when people say mac like i'm just like what 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 are you describing Mm. what 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 are we aiming for like what are we shooting for here i don't i don't quite get it um so so i have a a couple of takes on this i guess and and then that is that i kind of feel like what is mac like is actually a question that's currently in flux because yeah. I feel like Mac OS itself is is shifting and changing a little bit. And then the other take on this I have is that you know, how far do I care as an indie to some degree? And that doesn't mean that, you know, just throw anything up and as long as it's in a window, that's fine, right? That's, that's not what I mean. But what I mean is, is that your time is limited, um your skill set is in one other area and you're now able to use that skill set to to develop an app and express yourself on mac os so to me it sort of feels like well just just go for it go see how it looks you know use use what you know which currently is underpinned by by ui kit so use that go for that and then see how you're looking because there's a sort of feeling there for me, which is that even if there's some edges here or there, either you can kind of get away with it because perhaps only somebody who's a, a complete Mac Mac OS purist, as it were, is going to care about that. Um, and I think that is actually the minority of Mac OS users to a degree. Um, or those might be edges you can kind of sand down and sort out as, as time goes on. You know, so I don't think there's really anything to be lost by sort of going in on UI kit first and, and, and kind of seeing how you look. Yeah. Um, that said, I do think it, it, as well there's a, there's a bit of this where the argument is it depends. You know, so like um, for uh, my for my Mac app version of um, of GoVJ, 
I would like to be able to sort of have things like um, the preferences menu be a replacement for my settings menu, potentially. Um, because the settings menu, obviously, on the, the UI kit, or rather Swift UI now version of the app, um, is just a table view and is just in the main window. Whereas I sort of feel like over on, on Mac OS, perhaps it makes more sense to to have a separate preferences window come up and to have that look like the sort of, you know, yep. generic app kit based set of widgets. Um so there might be something there for me to, to tweak and configure something. Um and it's those sort of edges where like you know, maybe there's another route for Mac OS to sort of make it feel more at home. Um but again, I'm going to build it out in UI kit and the setting screen is going to be in exactly the same place until I'm done. And then I'm going to take a look and see whether that's something I can sort of tweak and sort out. I'm certainly not going to get hung up on it right now. Mm. You know, while the app is still in development, it's a sort of, it still works. So let's come back and look at this in a bit. Yeah. One thing I need to figure out is whether I can um, have like a menu bar kind of thing for my app on the Mac. If it's coming yeah. via Catalyst. Um I don't know if you can off the top of my head. I don't know if you do. Do you, do you know? No, I don't. I don't. No. I've heard a couple of things from a couple of people. I remember reading that um, you can kind of dig down in the layer and do do it the sort of original way, uh, which again, what I guess would be sort of invoking bits of AppKit. Um, so you're probably into a situation where you're going to need to communicate something out to sort of all the way up through the app stack and out from there mm. um, I'd be looking at the the app delegate I guess and going from there but um, yeah I don't know is the honest answer yeah that could be a that could make or break the deal I think whether I can do that because that's going to be quite fundamental in how I envisage the app being used on the Mac um, yeah especially in the context of like tracking your time Um so you could use like the menu bar icon to reveal a, a, a list of what you're working on and quickly just select one of them and then that then starts the timer tracking that thing yeah rather than having to like bring up the whole window of the app so I, yeah that's definitely one thing i need to, to figure out this this coming week i think but i think with with all these things that th- there's gonna be a way in one way or another even if it's currently kind of hacky mm. um and i guess my advice would be rather than you know, trying to make the app that you've got sort of come in together at the moment, do it. You know, maybe just have a go with a a, um, a new project and test that specific thing out. You know, okay, what does it take to actually throw up something in the the menu bar when it's a a Catalyst enabled Swift UI app? You know, yeah. so start from start from that um, that blank state and then just try and hack it in there rather than worrying too much about getting your, your UI in and all of that. Just just have a go. Mm. Um, and then bring these things back when you've you've mastered them, you know? Yeah. It's funny, I've been thinking actually um, maybe I should be looking at some kind of iPad at some point soon because <laughs> kind of developing an app that's going to take advantage of the Apple Pencil and it's like, you don't have an iPad or an Apple Pencil. <laughs> Uh, this is like one of the perfect excuses for well i need it for development so (laughs) yeah uh i could maybe skate by because my my dad's got an ipad pro 
So I could maybe just buy an i an Apple Pencil and just borrow his iPad occasionally. But that's that's no way to develop an app, is it? For no, it's this, not. Yeah. So I need to figure that one out. Um, yeah. It's kind of a a cost of choosing to work on Synapse, I guess, versus a read list that we spoke about last week. But it's not the worst thing in the world, I guess, because my current iPad Air is uh, kind of had it really these days. It's very yeah. very slow. So I I would yeah definitely recommend getting an iPad and getting a pencil so that you've got that that experience. Um, I love mine. We've not really talked about me upgrading it to a a, a pro. Yeah, um, that's that's been the last sort of month and a half or so for me. Yeah, every week there's been something else to talk about, and it gets pushed to the bottom of the list. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of funny because I had the the ten and a half inch pro with the original pencil and then I've upgraded to the 11 inch pro with the latest pencil and in some ways there's an element of um, I didn't quite have buyer's remorse with it but the there was an element of I already had that experience before you know I already had a pencil and so I think what I've really experienced with the 11 inch has kind of been this sort of some of it's been an incremental jump um, and then it's been stuff that has been you know, just that little bit better. Like having a magnetic hold for the pencil on the side is great. Yeah, I've always got the pencil with the iPad. That's brilliant, and it's always charged. Great. Um, so that side of stuff is is cool, but I would not say it was earth shattering for me. You know, it's just been it's it was a, a reasonable experience before, and now it's a brilliant experience. It's sort of, you know, I, I could probably have done another year 18 months on the 10 and a half inch and, and been perfectly fine hmm, um okay. yeah i appreciate having face id on it actually a lot more than i thought i would you, you get very used to just having face id everywhere because i've got that on my my um 10r now i've got that on my ipad and then when i go to help um my kids with something on one of their devices i'm kind of like oh god home button really you know, <laughs> Um, so that settles in quite quick and I do appreciate having that um, but then we we were in a very fortunate position in that um, essentially thanks to uh, some sales this year with, with AirSynth or the last year rather um, that's kind of what facilitated some of this upgrade and, and in the process of doing so we were also then able to to update my wife's iPad to a um, an iPad Air, and this has meant that um, we had two hand me down iPads then for the, for the kids to have. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, and and so we've we've got a mix of devices now in in the house, um, and. So if I was to recommend to somebody what iPad to get if you didn't want to spend, you know, the absolute maximum or whatever, you know, would I recommend the base level or not? And I think the thing I would have to weigh up, you know, if I were you, Dave, is that there's a difference between the very, very sort of entry-level one and the Air, yeah. just in terms of how light it is. Yeah, the lightness is great. My wife has really appreciated that jump getting going from the, the base model um, 9.7 to, to the um, 10.5, isn't it, the Air? 
It's essentially the the essentially your old pro, isn't it? Yeah, it is with with a couple of extra bits and a, and a couple of bits chopped off. Yeah. Um. And the air is definitely the better a better machine over the entry level. Um. Is the screen laminated on the air? Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the differences as well. That would be the big thing for me because that screen gap, especially in the context of using a pencil, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that rubs me the wrong way a little bit. I got because obviously the it feels more like the pixels are on the glass when it's laminated versus when you have got that that big. It's not a lot of a gap, yeah. but it's enough, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you see yourself kind of using it occasionally and then just as a development device, then just get the entry level one really if you're going to see yourself kind of using this just that little bit more then the air's a good fit um i would say given how much i know you are a mac os user first the pro might be overkill is kind of my my gut feel but yeah obviously obviously you know you know your you know what you want as well so <laughs> i'm just like well <laughs> If I'm going to get one, it might as well be a good one. <laughs> and then at the other end of the scale, I would say I really love using my Pro. I really love the magnetic pencil and speed of it is fantastic and it will last you a long while is the other feeling I've got. I mean, I expect to be on this Pro for, for longer than uh, than I was on the 10.5. And, and I think I was on 10.5 for two and a half years. So, yeah, mm. it sort of feels like I, I could last that a bit longer out with this. Maybe if a good deal comes up on an air, I might consider it. Um, yeah, yeah, and obviously then the pencil. Yeah, yeah. That, might, that might be the way to do it. Yeah, I'll have to see. Not something I'm looking at doing immediately, but I think it would make sense for me to to have one. But then this year is my phone year, so it's kind of like any budget I've got is. I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to get a phone this year. But I don't, I'm not sure I want to. Yeah, get, but then there's nothing wrong with the ten. 10's fine, my iPhone 10. <laughs> so it's like maybe it would be a more sensible use of, of budget this year to get the get the iPad that could A, be a different form factor that I've not had in years and potentially help with development. Maybe it would be more sensible to get the iPad this year and put the iPhone off another year. I'd have said so, and I, but I would say maybe, maybe just look to see if you can budget down on the iPad and then consider the... Um, the equivalent of the the 10R and the 11 kind of end of the line with the phone. We almost get two for one year. then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but but I would certainly be prioritising the iPad sooner if you want to be testing pencil kit and kind of getting into all that end of stuff. Um, yeah, join us <laughs> on the uh, iPad side of the fence. Baxter, better not listen to this episode. <laughs> I can hear the end of it. Am I? <laughs> Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.